A quick reminder, the hosts of this show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and nothing said on the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Hello and welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. This is Mike Frost, and today on the podcast, we'll be doing part two, talking about different investment risks. Before we get started, though, let's welcome to the podcast our producer extraordinaire, Natalie Wilson. Hello. How's Natalie today? Great. How are you, Mike? We've had a long week. We still have a longer week to go, so lots going on this week. And uh, our expertise, ex- one, two, three, and our expert on market risk, start over, and our expert on different types of investment risk, our executive vice president uh, and financial advisor, Matt Walters. Hey, Mike, how are you? Oh, we're fired up today, Matt. We're fired up. All right, this is part two. Uh, of risk that we've talked about. So Matt, you want to give the, the listeners a quick recap of the risk that we talked about last week? Yeah. So last week, David and I dove into the, the there's 10 total types of risk that we were going to discuss. We talked about the first five and those five were market risk, which is fairly self-explanatory, just equity risk, interest rate risk. Um, most that's that's the most common type of risk people think of when they think of risk. Then we got into liquidity risk. So, you know, not being able to sell something, you deal with that sometimes in real estate. We see that a lot in like REITs. It's not that REITs are terrible. It's just they have a lot of liquidity risk, right? You gotta, may not be able to get your money out of it. And for those that may not know what a REIT is, a real estate investment trust. Sure. Right, exactly. So, so there's liquidity risk. How quickly or easily can you get your money back out of that investment? And can you get it out for a fair, fair market value? Uh, concentration risk, just being too concentrated in a particular type of investment. And you've got credit risk. So that, you know, basically the example we gave is like your credit risk to a bank is like your funny. That's why they look at your credit score. They're trying to determine your credit risk and how likely are you going to be to pay that money back. And then the big one that I think we spent quite a bit of time on last week, because this is what you see in the news a lot lately and everything just going on is inflation risk and what, you know, we got into that. We're not going to get into it again today, but that was the last risk that we we dove into last week. So this week we're going to cover the next five. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. You guys did a great job on that last week. And if you guys want to hear more about those, just go back to where you looked at this podcast and you can look at the or listen to last week's podcast. And today's podcast number is, Natalie? Number 47. 47. Rocking it. All right. Okay, Matt. All right, next risk. Horizon risk. What in the world is a horizon risk? Yeah, so horizon risk is the risk that your time horizon changes. Okay, so this could be many, many different examples you can go through. But one one that I'll give right, right now is, you know, when we're working with a client, um, or a new potential client that's looking to retire. So, and then they say, well, you know, I'm planning on retiring in the next five, six, seven years. So we're going to build, you know, we're going to go through the financial planning process with that time horizon in mind. But let's say something changes, right? So we've invested 
with it, with it in mind that they're going to retire in six or seven years and something, you know, with their health changes or they get laid off and now they're immediately forced into retirement. Well, that, you know, that changes things. Now their time horizon of when they're going to need to start taking money out of their accounts potentially just got pulled forward five, six years. So are you prepared for that? Are you prepared for those types of changes? Do you have the flexibility to change and adapt and adjust with your investments um, if something like that comes up. So just just being prepared for uh, situational changes that could change your timeline. And we see a lot of that, especially we had this big Walmart layoff last year. Right. And a lot of folks thought been there 20, 25 years and thought they'd stay there until retirement. And then they, here they are in their early 50s and boom, they're out of a job. And so this comes into play. Well, can they actually, quote, retire? Or do they have to go back to work? And that's where the horizon risk yeah. comes in. And one, this is another big reason that we're huge advocates for having having a lot of cash on hand. And when I say a lot, you don't want to have too much, but having a fully funded emergency fund. You know, um, I, I always am telling clients, like, I'm more conservative in nature when it comes to having some cash on hand. So just... You know, don't short yourself in that regard. Like always try to be as prepared as possible for the unknown, the the things that can come up that you don't expect. And having those that really solid emergency fund, you know, minimum, minimum three months, ideally more like six months plus set setting there. You know, if something comes up, your time horizon changes. Now you have time to adapt. You can you know, you have cash on hand that you can live off for for a while. So that's that's really crucial there. And you're talking six months of expenses, right. not of income, but of expenses. And to know your expenses, you got to do a budget. That's a whole nother podcast. All right, we'll, yeah. we'll keep going here. All right. Next one is longevity risk. Sounds like you maybe you live too long. What's this about, man? Yeah, yeah, longevity risk is this is just a risk that you outlive your assets. So it's it's kind of what everybody's afraid of. You know, when you yes, someone what's what's your greatest fear? This is one that typically rises to the top um, of the list. And so you know, it's for someone who spending too much money in retirement doesn't know what they need to be living off of from a budgetary you know from a budget standpoint in retirement and. You know, they're, they're getting in their late 70s, still great health, but their assets are, are being depleted very quickly. Like they're, they're, now their risk is they don't, they're not going to have enough money to make it, right, to support themselves. So there are things that we can do. One, just proper planning, budgeting, paying off debts, having the emergency fund, having a financial plan. All of those things can help. But there are also other specific things like, you know, this is where if someone has, um, maybe a very low social security, no pensions, no guaranteed stream of income. Well, this is where you could look at maybe using like an income annuity or something that could give you this lifetime income that at the very least takes care of you not having any income later in life. And, you know, you know, you're going to have that consistent income for life. Um, so there's different things that we can do. You know, this is the risk for an annuity company. I, one way to look at you know life insurance versus annuities, life insurance, the, the risk to the insurance company is that you die, right? Well, the risk to an annuity company or someone providing you income for life is that you live too long. So you're insuring against two different things with insurance and annuities and at various points in time in your life, both can be very appropriate. 
So bottom line, we recognize these risks, but there's always ways that we can mitigate those risks. And you just gave several great examples. Uh, I personally have done some lifetime income benefit annuities that will guarantee income for the entire life. Yeah. And that's not right for everybody, but that is an option that we could discuss with folks. Okay. All right. So let's move on to foreign investment risk. So foreign investment risk, does that mean somebody's going in from another country is going to invest over here? What's that mean, Matt? Yes. It's I mean, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. Just the risks, the additional risks that you take on when investing in a foreign company or a company that's headquartered and operates in a, in a foreign country. So, you know, we have our own very unique set of risks here in the United States, right? And everybody's relatively aware with, of what those are. But if you take your assets and say you take and have $100,000 that you want to go put to work in, you know, the Japanese markets or the Chinese markets or, you know, whatever, well, there's a the whole extra set of lists that are unique to that market, to that demographic, to that country, um, politically, you know, currency exchange rates. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you now have to take into consideration that you don't if you're just investing here in, in our market and our economy. Now, this is this is very different. Foreign foreign risk uh, investment risk is very different today than it was 20 years ago because you know investing in Apple. Right, you're you are getting exposure to a global economy, right? And so Apple is internally dealing with a lot of the same issues and and um, you know international issues. And so it's it's less common today to invest in a company that's solely focused in in a one particular country. A lot of companies are global, but it's still something to be aware of um, as you go out and look for opportunities. If you see something overseas, you know, an emerging market. You want to make sure you really understand what's going on there because that's going to have a very unique set of risks. So an example would be like in Venezuela. If you invested in one of their oil companies there and yeah. then Venezuela government says, you know what, we're going to take over that oil company. We're going to nationalize it. You completely lose 100% of your investment. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, essentially, yeah, there's nothing you can do. I mean, it's not like you can make a phone call and say, hey, I opposed to this or, you know, so those are just risks that, again, might be perfectly acceptable, might be perfectly suitable in the very, in you know right situations. You just need to be aware of them and know that they exist. All right, let's go on to do something called call risk. Somebody calling you, that's a risk? What's a call risk? Man? Yeah, yeah. Um, call risk. So this is, is specifically in like the fixed income market or the bond market when debt is issued. So um, a lot of bonds, for example, are callable. And so the company could call those back and essentially refinance that debt. Um, so we've seen this a fair amount over the last few decades because interest rates have been dropping, right? So if a company, let's say Walmart, and I'm just using Walmart as, a, as an example, but Walmart needs to raise $100 million to go out and do a few various, you know, CapEx projects. And so they, they're going to issue, do a bond issuance and, you know, pay 4% on it. Well, if interest rates are s slowly going down and, a year and a half from now, they say, hey, we can do another bond issuance at 2.5%, pay off that 4% bond, and you know, be out a lot less money, save ourselves a lot. They're going to do that. And so that's what they call that's what they call back that first bond. They pay it off. And the downside is that as a bondholder, you don't really have a lot of control over that, 
right? That's their guaranteed right if it's able. So you just need to be aware that the risk for you as an investor is now that that bond has been called. Now you have to go put that money back to work somewhere. Well, interest rate in my in my most recent example, interest rates are dropping, right? You bought a bond paying you 4%, it gets called. Well, now bonds are paying 2.5%. So I've got to go put that money in a, to work in a less favorable environment if I'm still going to go use bonds. And so there's risk there that you have to put that money to work somewhere um, and you don't necessarily have control over if and when those get called. You know, there are certain restrictions sometimes for when a bond can be called and, and all of that. But um, but yeah, definitely a risk, especially in the fixed income market, if you're investing in. Well, in your example there, Matt, if I were expecting 4% and they called the bond, now it's 2%. Now I either got to take more risk to get my 4%. Right. Or be satisfied with half the income at 2%. Right. So that is absolutely a risk, especially if you're in retirement and we're depending on that. Yep. Yep. All right. Absolutely. Let's move on to social Political risk. Wow. I bet we could talk a whole podcast about this one. Yeah, this is, and this is the last one. So this is number 10. This is the last kind of type of risk that we're going to talk about. And, you know, your example of Venezuela is a perfect example of foreign political risk, right? Um, but we have a lot of risk. People have been asking about, you know, we just had a new administration take, take over. And every time there's an administrative change, there's a certain group of people that are more, you know, or feel uneasy about it, I guess you could say. Don't want to get too, too political here. But, <laughs> but you know, the, the current administration taking over, and now there's, I know a lot of people in our community and a lot of our clients have this concern of what does this look like, right? We're, this is a, this is a new administration with a completely different vision for our country. I mean, polar opposite. There's no other way to say it. And so what, what does that mean? I mean, are they, there are, they're talking about increasing taxes. They're talking about, you know, changing the estate taxes and there's the uh, climate change and all of these governmental regulations and control controls that they're trying to put in place. And so that's a lot of, there's a lot of risk from an investing standpoint in, you know, again, going back to things that you have no control over, you know, the, the investment you made five years ago may have been a, a wonderful investment. New administration comes in, starts writing some new laws, signing a few documents, and all of a sudden this opportunity that was there for this certain company is just gone. And so um, definitely something, I think it's something that we have lived with and lived through many, many times over and will we'll continue to. But I think we're at this point, you know, in our country here in the United States where, um, you know, we're kind of at this point in time where we, you, we're going to go one way or the other. And I, th I know a lot of people feel uneasy about certain things that are going on. It's a good thing this is not a political show because we could talk a whole lot about this. Yeah, so. I tried to keep that as politically correct <laughs> as possible. You did well, Matt. You did well. All right. Well, that's our 10th one. This is our second podcast on risk. So to recap today, we talked about horizon risk. You know, you, your retirement may come sooner than you think based off of other situations. Longevity risk. You could outlive your money. Uh, foreign investment risk. Uh, if you have money invested in a foreign country, you have no control on what that country may or may not do. Call Rick's call risk, talking about bonds. You may have it invested at 4%. They could call it because now they could probably get it at 2% or less. And then the last one we spoke about was uh, social political risk. And Matt did a great job of explaining that. Yeah. And I think the kind of wrapping up the last two podcasts, a good thing to keep in mind is that 
when people think of risk, they often think of just, well, the stock market going down. Like that's, that's just what comes to mind. Well, I think this is a good reminder going back and then listening to these last two podcasts. It is a good reminder that there are many, many different reasons why the stock market can go down. Right. And so understanding all the different reasons, knowing why and when and how those kinds of things impact markets, I think is extremely valuable because it can help you make more rational decisions instead of fearful decisions in certain market cycles, knowing markets will go up and they will go down and having your head wrapped around all the reasons why, um, again, isn't going to make, you know, when and how much the market's going to go down and all of it, but it will help you understand the market as a whole, you know, um, or investing as a whole much better. So I'd really encourage people to just to uh, spend some time and, and, you know, self-educate on the different types of risk. And we offer lots of tools. I mean, we do economic updates each month. Uh, we do uh, podcasts like this to share information. We ask our clients to come in every three months and kind of update themselves on where they are, what's going on in the world, and do we need to make any changes. So uh, it's not a set it and forget it. I mean, things can happen just like we talked about here in our country. Got a new administration, lots of things are changing. All right, Matt, great job on the risk. Natalie, if somebody wants to submit a question to the podcast, can you tell them how to do that? Yes, if you email podcast at Mach1FG, numeric1FG as in financialgroup.com, podcast at Mach1FG.com, we would be happy to get those answered for you. You can also go to our website, Mach1FG.com, and there is a podcast tab, and you can submit questions there. Fantastic. Thank you, Natalie. Natalie Natalie actually is the producer of the show. She does all behind-the-scenes work to put this on and make it sound good. We jokingly say she makes us look good on the podcast. Matt, I think you've got the thought of the day. What do you have? Yeah, I thought this was a good one. So this is from Seth Klarman. Um, He's like a hedge fund billionaire investor. He said, ultimately, nothing should be more important to investors than the ability to sleep soundly at night. Amen to that. Say that one more time. Yeah, Seth Klarman, ultimately nothing should be more important to investors than the ability to sleep soundly at night. Fantastic. Thank you, Matt. All right, folks, that's it for today. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we look forward to you joining us next time on the Mach 1 Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, Inc. Mach 1 is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular skill level or ability. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The information presented is the sole opinion of the speaker and is not meant to be investment advice. Mach 1 does not provide tax or legal advice. You should speak with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. For full disclosures, please visit www.mach-1financial.com disclosures.